0: Hey everyone, glad that you are tuned into this as we are still scattered about our community. I have some good news. We have filed our paperwork to use a space on Sundays, and I got word that it looked good, and we just have to figure out now the logistics for uh, our meeting space. But Lord willing, we will be meeting in a new worship space this coming Sunday. So that's is uh, hopefully a week from today, if you're watching this on Sunday. I'm not gonna say exactly where it is, but it is a strategic place in the community where we can really um, help the community, where we can really be an influence in the community. So as soon as I get all of the details, I will send it to you regarding the location, the time, any instructions that you need. So look out for an email this week about that. If you are a student, or the parent of a student. A student is grades 5 through 12, so if you are a student or a parent of a student, we are having a student student get-together this week. It is going to be on Friday. It's going to be at our house, and it's a time for the students to spend time together, eat together, play games, just um, have some some time together. That is the whole point. Get to know each other. There will be more details if you are a student or the parent of a student. We will send those out to you. Be on the lookout for that this week. So let us go ahead and dive in to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 14. If you have not already read this, go ahead and pause this and read it out loud. Uh, if you are in a group, have one person read it out loud. If it's just you, well, you are that person, so <laughs> read it out loud, Ephesians 5, 3 through 14. Go ahead and pause this and do that. Now let's uh, go ahead and pray before we jump into our study. Our Father, we thank you so much for the love and the grace and kindness and mercy that you have toward us. We admit that we have things in our minds and our hearts that uh, will, will kick against what you are going to teach us today through your word. So humble us. Give us hearts that want to obey you. Give us the strength to obey you by the power of your spirit so that we would continue your work here for your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are about eight months away right now, so I feel like I can talk about this without anybody getting too upset, but we in our country have a very serious problem with Thanksgiving. I mean the holiday Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving when I was a kid, maybe you experienced it like this. The retailers, they would send out the newspaper that had their advertisements uh, about Black Friday deals. They would send that out on either Thanksgiving day or the day before Thanksgiving. And we would get it and we would circle what we wanted and we would make a plan to go out uh, to the specific stores to get the best deals on what we were after. And it was great you know you had a plan you would get up at five o'clock in the morning on Black Friday so that you could be at Best Buy by seven o'clock on Black Friday when the doors open and then something strange happened instead of opening at seven o'clock some of the retailers decided they were going to open at midnight on Black Friday so now it changed all of your plans instead of getting up at five o'clock you had to get up at 10 o'clock at night so you could only get a power nap from like 8 to 10 or for most people they just wouldn't sleep at all and it changed the way that we did thanksgiving because now you couldn't you couldn't have the regular meal you had to have it done by a certain time so that you could you could be ready to go by a certain time it rushed everything you couldn't enjoy thanksgiving the way you did before and then something even more strange happened retailers decided opening at midnight was not enough. Instead, they were going to open at nine o'clock on Thanksgiving day. So now people are going, oh man, we've got to change all of our plans. We can't have a Thanksgiving dinner. That will go too long. Now we've got to move it to Thanksgiving lunch or whatever is between lunch and dinner. And we have to make sure that we leave the house by seven o'clock so that we can get in line and wait and all that kind of stuff. And it changed things, didn't it? Because now Thanksgiving, it doesn't really feel like it's about what it used to be about. In fact, I heard a rumor that this year, Black Friday will not begin on Thanksgiving. Black Friday will now begin at 9 o'clock p.m. on Halloween. That's just a joke, I made that up. But it kind of feels like that, right? Like we're missing the point of the holiday. Thanksgiving is about giving thanks. But now instead, Thanksgiving is about getting your 50-inch TV for $75. So instead of giving thanks, we are going shopping. It's different, right? Aren't we supposed to give thanks? Ephesians chapter five, as we study this today, it's gonna be talking about giving thanks. It's not gonna talk about Thanksgiving the holiday, but giving thanks from our hearts that have been changed by the gospel. In fact, it's going to tell us to give thanks instead of doing other things. It's not going to tell us to give thanks instead of going shopping, but it's going to tell us to give thanks and, doing, and instead of doing two other things. So there are two points to this. Number one, give thanks instead of sinning. Look with me at verse three. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints." obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For no one recognized this. Every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Paul just gets straight to it, doesn't he? He, he? It's cut and dry with him. He uses this word, Uh, It's a Greek word that we translate as sexual immorality, and that Greek word is pornea. So you can, in your mind, think of the English equivalent to that word, and you you get an idea of exactly what it's talking about. The difference, though, is uh, it's not just explicit material. It's all of the actions that surround that, all that fall into that type of category. And then he uses the word impure. That's like a sister term. To the first word. Except impure refers to any act or thought that is dirty. We imported this into our culture when we still use it today. So you may say that's a dirty joke or that's a dirty movie or it's a dirty magazine. The idea is that these things are sinful, that they are against, against the will of God. It's when we participate in these things, or when we encourage others to do this, we are sinning. We are saying, God, these desires that I have, I am going to elevate them above what you have told me to do in my life. These desires that I have are stronger than your authority and your influence in my life, so I'm going to go with them instead of you. That, that is simply Sin. That's the basic definition of sin. And then he goes on. He says, it's not just what you do or think. It's also about what you say. Look at verse four. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable. So when you are around certain people, maybe that's your co-workers, your neighbors, your old buddies, do do your words change? Does your speech change? Do you start talking about things that you know you shouldn't talk about? Do you take the acts, the sacred acts that are reserved for the marriage covenant and do you make fun of them? Do you make light of them? Do your words lead people to think about things as God thinks about them or does it lead people to think about things the way the world thinks about them? If you were part of Anchor Church, I'm assuming you are probably like, yeah, I see this stuff that Paul is talking about and I completely agree. This is sin. This is wrong. We should not be doing this. This is basic Christianity. It's Christianity 101. And we need to keep keep telling people that this is wrong because they need to know that it is not acceptable before God. Or maybe you hear this and you say, "Look, I agree that this stuff is wrong, but Sean, let me just be honest, that's not really a struggle of mine. Maybe when I was younger, but at this point in my life, it's just not a struggle. Well, we live in a culture that celebrates this type of activity and this type of thinking. It encourages us to be people that think and act this way. We are in an age of total freedom when it comes to these things, and we need to realize that this is dangerous for all of us that the culture tells us over and over and over that these things are good, that they are okay. They try to indoctrinate us with things that are not godly. And while it may not be affecting you necessarily, what about your kids? What about your grandchildren? What about other people in this church right now? Well, the truth of the church is that when one of us hurts, all of us hurt. We are called to care for each other, to speak the truth in love to each other so that we would all grow up into Christ. And we need to see that this is what Paul is saying so that we can understand how to speak the truth to each other in love, so that we can combat that thinking that is in our culture that is trying to take over our minds and our hearts. And then he, we read something funny in, in this chapter. It doesn't really seem like it fits, but it says sexual immorality and any impurity or greed. Greed? What does greed have to do with these things? You know, we're talking about something of a specific nature, and then greed? It just feels like it's kind of out of place. Here's what greed is. Maybe, maybe your Bible says uh, covetousness. Greed is wanting something that someone else has that God has not given you. It is wanting something that someone else has that God has not given you. It is wanting more and more and more. Honestly, our church probably struggles with greed more than we do the other things that are listed here. Do you struggle with greed? When you look at your life, are your decisions made based on great greed or based on what God wants for you? Do you make decisions that are really to benefit yourself or that help others? So most of us, or some of us, I should say, we received the stimulus check this, this week. When that hit your bank account, what was your first thought was it, oh, good, I can finally go get that stand-up paddleboard that I've been wanting? Or was it something like, oh, good, I can use this to help other people in need. I can use this to serve the Lord. If we're honest, most of us would say that our, our response was more like the first one, is what can I now get for myself? Do you see how that is greed? Now, our culture is built In some way, on greed, consumerism. We are told over and over again that if you get more and more and more, then you will finally be satisfied. You will finally be fulfilled. You will finally be happy. But that is not the gospel, is it? No, the gospel says that we have been given everything that we need in Jesus Christ. So we don't have to have the newest phone or the newest car or the biggest house, or the nicest clothes. And I'm not against those things. What I am against is a heart that is greedy. We need to see that God gave us all of these things. He has given us all that we need, and he has given us more than what we need. And he has called us to manage these things for his glory. And the God who has given us these things, he has said that I will never have you without the things that you need. I will always provide for you. So do this for my glory. But greed, as you know, it's not about what we need, right? It's about what we want. It is, about, it is saying to God, you have given me these things, but I want more. You have given, these things, given me these things, but I want something different. And when we want something that God has not chosen to give us, we are in sin we are greedy. Instead of sinning, we are told to give thanks in verse 4. That's odd, isn't it? What does giving thanks have to do with sexual immorality, with impurity, with greed? Well, this is, this is what I see. Thankfulness is the opposite of the root of those sins. So think about it with me. When you are sexually immoral, impure, or greedy. It's because you don't think that God has given you what you need or what you deserve. I am free to do whatever I want with my body or with my thoughts because that's what truly satisfies me. God has given me these parameters, these rules in which I am to live, but those don't really fulfill me. I want to truly be satisfied, and I will find those in these things. Or on the other hand, I want more and more and more because God has not given me what I want or what I deserve. I will truly be happy if I just have this. right? Those, that's the root of those sins. And we see that thankfulness is different. Thankfulness, instead of saying that, thankfulness says, God, you have provided me with exactly what I need and more. And I have been given these things by grace that I don't deserve them. And I am am sustained by you and I can enjoy these things because of your grace. So thank you. And if you take all of this away, I will still honor you. Thank you. If you decide to give me more, I will still honor you. Thank you. Do you see how those are different? Do you see how those are opposites? You can give thanks to God or you can keep on sinning. You have to choose one. And what this tells us is choose to give thanks to God instead of sinning. There's a pastor, his name is Jeff Vanderstelt. He's out on the West Coast, and uh, he shared a story about someone in his church that was struggling with sin. It was a young man, he was struggling with looking and acting on explicit material. And so as the pastor counseled him through this, he said, well, how do you feel after you have sinned in this way. And the young man said, I feel terrible. I feel ashamed. I feel like I am completely unacceptable to God. The pastor said, well, is that true? He said, no, it's not true. I know that because of Jesus, that I shouldn't have shame and that I am completely acceptable to God because of Jesus' sacrifice for me. So the pastor said, well, let me ask you, do you think it would change things for you if right after you sin, you said you, you came to God and you said, God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for the sin that I just committed. Would that change things for you? He said, if I did that right after I sinned, yeah, I think it would, would change the way I feel because I wouldn't feel shame. I wouldn't have time to feel shame. I would feel accepted because I know that I am accepted in Jesus. He said, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Then the pastor said this, would it be different? Would it change things for you if before you committed that sin, you said, Jesus, thank you for dying for this sin I'm about to commit. Would that change things? The young man said, absolutely it would. Of course it would. He said, okay, well, what would change it? He said, I don't think that I would fall into that sin because I'm being thankful to Jesus for what he has done for me. That changes my heart. Would it change things for you? If you were to thank Jesus for dying for whatever sin you are about to commit, would that change your course? If you are about to look at something that you shouldn't look at, if you are about to joke about something that you shouldn't joke about, and you said, Jesus, thank you for dying for my lustful eyes. Thank you for dying for my unconstrained tongue, would that change things for you? Probably, right? Or if you are about to buy something, if you're about to spend money in a place you know you shouldn't be spending it, instead you are supposed to spend it somewhere else, right before you did that, if you prayed, Jesus, thank you for dying for my ungenerous heart, for my greedy heart, would that change things for you? Would it set you on a different course? Probably. Probably. You, you can be thankful, or you can keep on sinning. Let us be thankful instead of sinning. Let us give thanks instead of sinning. That's number one. Number two, give thanks instead of justifying. Give thanks instead of justifying. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you who were once in darkness, for, or rather, for you were once in darkness, all right, I'm gonna start that one over because that is not right. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light exist, consist of goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible, for what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So at the beginning Verse three, or verse six, he says, let no one deceive you with empty arguments. Now, why would we be deceived by empty arguments about things that we know God has already spoken about? God has said, don't do this. Why, why would we be tempted by empty arguments? Here's the truth, that all of us, deep inside, we want to sin, don't we? We want to do what we know we shouldn't do. We would like to do whatever feels good. We would like to keep everything we have for ourselves, and we would like for no one to tell us not to do those. But that's not what happens here. He does tell us that this is the nature of humanity, though. Look at verse 8. It says, you were once darkness. It's not that you were once a victim of the darkness. It's not that you were once in love with the darkness. It says that you were once darkness. That's referring to the human nature that we all have that is set against God, that is set against doing what God has told us to do. If we understand our nature, then we can understand how we have been saved from that. He says, you are now light in the Lord. So we have talked about this several times. You have a war within you. Old verse new. Light versus darkness, heart versus flesh. Our old self, or the the flesh as the Bible calls it, is constantly fighting for more and more and more influence over our lives. But we are called to something else. The flesh, it loves to justify. When you hear an argument that says, hey, your sin, it's it's actually okay. Something inside you goes, "Oh, great. Now I have permission to do the thing that I've wanted to do that I haven't been doing because God told me not to do it, right? That's how it works. We love to justify. And the world, which is the the people, the systems, the thinking that are against God, the world is constantly pulling us away from God and towards sin. And it preys on those who are vulnerable in the faith. So we, as a church, must protect one another from that force by constantly speaking the truth in love. That's what we were being told to do here. My cousin, she lived in New Orleans for a little while. And just for reference, uh, kind of to paint how her life was, she worked in a a Christian bookstore on the campus of a Christian college where they trained pastors to do pastor things. A guy comes in one day and he he said he's a pastor and he needed to order some things. So as my cousin is ringing up what he needs, he notices that she is not from New Orleans. She has a pretty thick Alabama accent. And this guy, he was from New Orleans. And he said, so you're not from here. She said, no, I'm not. He said, so you've never experienced a Mardi Gras in New Orleans. She said, no, they don't even have Mardi Gras where I come from. And he said, oh, sweetie, Mardi Gras is great. You are going to love it. Let me just tell you, this is how you do it. Whatever you feel like doing, just do it. You feel like getting drunk? Well, you go, go ahead and get drunk. You feel attracted to that person? Well, you go ahead and act on those impulses. You want some beads? Well, you go ahead and do whatever it takes to get those beads. He said, You are, in this time in Mardi Gras, you just do whatever feels good. And don't worry, God's going to forgive you. He understands it's Mardi Gras, so you just do what feels good. Most people, especially in the South, are just, they're not that brash. They're not that direct. They're not going to say those things. But our culture, over and over and over, says things like that. They encourage us to act that way. You may hear something like, if it feels good, do it, or you do you, or hey, everybody's doing it, are you really going to be that guy, or nobody has the right to tell you what is right and wrong for you, or no one can judge you, or "It's, it's not like you're hurting anyone. Or God understands how you feel. He has given you these desires. It's right for you to act on them. Or no one else can tell you how to use your body or how to use your money. These, according to scripture, are empty arguments that are tempting us to believe the lies of the devil and to live against God. But instead of believing those, we are called to know the truth and to share the truth. These lies, they ignore the fact that God's fury, God's wrath, his justice worked out is coming against those that participate in these things. Now friends, we cannot erase what the word of God says. When when, When we live as if the Bible is silent, then we are running headlong into judgment and destruction. Instead, we need to be people who walk as children in the light, as he says. How do we do that? Look at verse eight, verse nine, rather. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. You can justify your behavior, or you can give thanks to God by doing what is good and right and true so is your life full of what is good and right and true? Are you doing what is honoring to God and what is beneficial to your neighbors? Are you living according to God's direction or are you living according to the direction of the world? How can we know if we are thanking God with our lives instead of justifying our sin? How can we know that? Well, we can look to the Bible, right? Right? The Bible is God's word. He has shown us who he is in the Bible and who we are and how we should respond to what he has done for us. He shows us how to live in the Bible. So we should be people who are constantly searching the Bible, reading the Bible to know God better and know how to live. But what about situations where it's not explicit, do this or do that in the Bible? What if you have a situation pop up where you've tried to read the Bible and you can't find anything on it? listen to me, there are situations that, are, that feel a little bit gray, feel like they're in some middle area and you don't, don't know what to do. Are you free in those situations to just do whatever you feel? Well, no. And I think this is a, str- a struggle for us because some of us view the Bible like an owner's manual. Like it's there for whenever we have a problem, we open it up and find out what we need to do. But the Bible is more than an owner's manual. When we read the Bible, we read it prayerfully. That is, when we read the Bible, we are talking to the owner himself. We read it in a way that we are saying, God, please reveal to me by your spirit what I am to do, what is good, what is right, what is true. And so we, we read the Bible, we pray through it as we go, and then we talk to other Christians and ask them for wisdom. There are people who have been through things that you could not even imagine they went through. And their situation that they faced is not that much different from what you are facing now. And God has given these people in the church so that we would be built together, so that we would build each other up, so that we would grow up into Christ. He has given you these people in the church for your maturity. Continuing on says, verse 10, when we do this, that we are testing what is pleasing to the Lord. We are learning what is pleasing. We are growing in what we understand is pleasing to the Lord. Instead of justifying sin, we give thanks to God for forgiving our sin. And we live out that thanks by exposing uh, sin where it is present. Where, it, where we see it. Verse 11 says that. So we don't sit by idly as the world digs deeper and deeper into the insanity of sin. Instead, lovingly, graciously, peacefully, we speak against sin in the world. We share with people, this is not God's will, and this is for judgment, not for pleasure. But this is God's will, and this is what we should be doing. And when we share that, yeah, we may face criticism ourselves from those people. But God may use our voice when we are shining the light in those moments to turn people away from darkness and to the light. And then those people may give thanks to God as well. Where do you need to give thanks today? How do you need to respond to the gospel in in thankfulness? We want to be people that give thanks instead of sinning or instead of justifying. And we need to be very practical about how to do that. Is there sin that has taken root in your life that you need to weed out right now? Are there movies that you need to stop watching? Are there TV shows that you need to stop watching? Are there books you need to stop reading? Are there people you need to unfollow? Are there apps you need to delete? Are there uh, sins in your life that you need to confess to someone else so that you can have accountability in order to overcome those sins? Is there a way that you need to respond with your wealth? Do you need to change the way that you manage what you have so that it would glorify God? Do you need to crush greed by committing to generosity? Do you need to uh, talk to someone about lies that you have believed that justify your sin? Do you need to come to the Lord and say, please take these lies away from me, take these justifications of my sin away from me and help me to trust in you alone? Do you need an extra measure of courage so that you would shine light in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, so that you would expose sin. We all need to be more thankful. We all need to give thanks with our lives. Let's be people that do that, so that the gospel would go forth from our church, that people would see who Jesus is and what he has done for them, and that we would glorify God with everything that we have, and everything we do. Would you pray with me? Our Father, even now, we have seen your word, even now, we are tempted to justify our sin. We are tempted to say, it's not that bad. We are tempted to say, well, if I come out and share what I've been struggling with, then then people won't accept me. I'll be an outcast. We are tempted to now say, well, it's my money, it's my wealth, I am free to use it how I want, I'm still giving to you, but the rest is mine. Lord, crush our justifications. Lord, help us to honor you with everything that we do. Help us to honor you with our thinking about things. Change our thought patterns so that we would be all about you and not about ourselves. God, I pray that you would enable us by the power of your spirit this week to walk in the light. Give us the courage to call out sin. Give us the love to build others up and give us the faith when we fall to remember that we are saved by grace. Thank you, Lord. Let all of this be done for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.